from Hans Oval to Durian Bay Sports Ground, Boulder City to Cable Beach, Pilbara to Peel, covering footy in regional WA. This is the WA Country Footy Podcast. Yes, hello and welcome right across Western Australia and even broader as well. We can go international to our lockdown friends over in the east. Hello, hope things are going well for you looking after each other there. The 2021 West Australian Country Footy League podcast is up and about. Here we are at week four. And, hey, some special things that have been happening for week four as well. For 2021, the WA Country Footy League belt-up football, the NADOC round, Kevin Binder's design, which is outstanding. One of them will be going, each of those footies will be going to every club. The colours and circles around the footy all connect as one, with the colours representing all parts of Country WA. And the circles represent two things. First is the continuous community involvement and the journey of young players following their dreams to become AFL, Waffle or senior footballers. And the second is the communities and the towns that each player represents. Outstanding. Kevin Binder brilliantly designed 2021 at WA Country Footy League. Belt up football. NADOC round. Unbelievable. Great design there. And a great story as well. More details are on the WA Country Footy League website. We are a little later in our episode dropping for this particular week, but that doesn't stop all of the action happening. We go to the Newman National Football League. What is so unique about the NNFL? We'll find out from Mick Kendrick, who is the president during this episode. They've got their grand finals coming up this weekend. Also joining us today is a director from the Great Southern Football League, and that is Andrew McWhirter. His directive is women's footy, and they do things a little differently with the season for women's footy down in the Great Southern Football League. So Andrew's going to give us some details there, and we'll head to the Lower Southwest Footy League and catch up with the Bridgetown Footy Club. We'll talk to their league coach, Ray Masters, on the podcast today. Hey, it's great to have your contributions. Uh, We've had some chats with plenty of people across the course of the week, and to feature as part of our West Australian Country Footy League. You can let us know what's going on in your leagues. You can give us all of the details. Very, very simple to do. You can do that via sending us an email, news at industrylinkmedia.com. Very easy, news at industrylinkmedia.com. And we'll get details out there like ours big grudge. And he is celebrating 100 games with Mandra this weekend as well. Good on your grudge. Uh, that's coming up at Mundajong we're taking on Monday, John, I should say, at Rushton Park at 4 o'clock on Saturday, that is. I've just had to get my dates right. Good on you, Grudge. 150 league games. Feels like he's been running around, though, for many, many years. Uh, let's catch up, though, with the WA Country Footy League podcast as we get into a very special round. It's just before finals for some. It's into finals for others, and it's grand final week for some other teams in our northern parts of the state. This is the WA Country Footy League podcast. Well, on the WA Country Footy League podcast, we like to feature a moment where we're looking at how the growth of women's football is happening in regional WA. And an organisation and a league that's been really active in the space over the last couple of years is the Great Southern Football League. Andrew McWhirter is part of the, uh, the, the board of the Great Southern Football League. His directorate is women's football and he joins us on the podcast today. Andrew, thanks very much for your time in between classes as a phys ed teacher. Thank you very much. No, you're welcome, mate. Anytime. Now, uh, your difference uh, I- I with the with the Great Southern Football League is the Terry White Kemmer Chester Pask Women's Competition wrapped up earlier this year. Now, tell us the format for the way that the Great Southern Footy League tackle women's footy. Um, we, we've sort of uh, approached the, the women's football, and, and certainly it, it's still in its, its fledgling stages where we're, we're actually trying to create and establish a, a, a permanent fixtured system, but. 
um, with, with the mind that we are a community and we want to support all, all other aspects of community sport, uh, we developed our, our um, women's association or women's competition um, so that it is, is held I guess in that in that gap or the the shoulder season between summer and winter before the the um, the, the men's GSFL season kicks off in in April, um, we hold it between February and April, and trying to, to maintain that, that that it doesn't encroach upon um, the winter sports and take players away from that and to try and I guess uh, fit in, in in the summer window there. Um, to try and not, not kill other sports off. You started off in 2019 with the four teams and that's expanded, but has the role in which obviously you've been able to have a better sporting calendar for the community, has that really paid off to be able to get those six teams up and about? Um, yeah, it certainly has. Um, I think I think the the actual appetite for, for a, a women's competition is certainly present in our community, but... Um, as I said, fitting it in there and making sure it is, is uh, palatable and, and uh, I guess um, there's no barriers to entry for, for young females or any female for that matter um, getting into to AFL. Um, the combination with that and, and fitting it on a Friday night, which has sort of, I guess, opened a few eyes up as to the, the potentials of, of night footy in Albany. Uh, we've always sort of toyed with the idea and we've got some great facilities now with lights, but um, it, it, it has... Open the door both as a as a, a way for getting young females or females into footy, and also I guess giving the, the community something to go and do on a Friday night, which has really been I guess the head turner for us as a GSFL is, is the fact that it is it is not just the participants going down to to, to to play footy, but also the the community members going down to watch and to catch up and to. I guess enjoy what is now something that is is an entertaining spectacle. And it, it's that it's at that shoulder of the season, really, isn't it? You know, you've had your local cricket seasons and your local summer sports that have started to wrap up. Um, getting into your winter sports as well um, that really helps because then some of the ladies can go on and play netball, as you as you point out, or soccer or whatever else is in the community that they'd like to get involved in. But that mm. also helps uh, the community get get a bit better of a participation rate in in, in audience or in crowd to be able to get down and and enjoy, mate, and especially with a tw- nice little twilight fixture towards March, April, May. It's it's quite a nice part of the year, although it's always cold in Albany. No, 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 no. <laughs> no it, it's, it, it, it certainly is just the, the prime time of, of year to, to fit it in. Obviously, once once we have increased participation rates and, and maybe people that are using or having football, women's football as their their primary sport, um, not as not as a secondary sport, then... Mm-hmm. then um, obviously, we may see some changes then, and, and, and women's football could potentially move to to a uh, being congruent with our, our uh, mainstream season or our men's season. But at the moment, it, it seems to be satisfying the appetite of all participants and and um, spectators as well, and, and doesn't encroach upon other sports or, or um, too much time into um, the the participants' week. So it really does sort of fit the fit the glove nicely at the moment. Yep, and and volunteers. Obviously, every club relies on volunteers. Is the appetite still there for the opportunity for for your clubs to still get a lot out of it too? Because what you'd probably you know some sometimes at six months of the footy season is enough for some clubs, and that's all they can handle. But you know, stretching it out a, a little bit longer has it put a bit of strain on volunteer resources at Clubland? Yeah, it certainly has. I mean, it's 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 
for some clubs has, has increased the workload on on the, the the administration side of things and certainly the volunteers. Um, I, th I think that's probably a fairly common thing when you're starting a sport up that it does does come to those guys that have the experience in, in other sports or the same sport to try and to drive it and to, to take ownership of it and to be responsible for the management of it. But also, I think in some of our our, our teams, it has opened the door to try and get some fresh ideas or some new volunteers in. Um, some clubs have, have had that and had great success with, with getting new people through the door, both on field and off. Um, other clubs are finding it a little harder, um, but that might be a, a sort of... I guess a condition of many aspects in the community at the moment as well. Mm. Of course, we're all well aware of the, the COVID um, situation at the moment um, and how that does change people's approach to participation. Certainly last year, it, it quashed our, our women's competition and we didn't actually get a result. Uh, we had to abandon the season seven games in, which is greatly, greatly disappointing. But again, that was that was sort of fitting in with what was happening around the community. And, and I guess if you compare, <coughs> excuse me, compare what we're going through over in WA at the moment compared to New South Wales and the Eastern Seaboard, um, where where we're sort of I guess at a very low uh, inconvenience level for for the COVID side of things, and and over there they've had everything shut down and taken away for us. So we're mm. On some aspects, very fortunate, and others, others, it's it's um, oh, it has increased the workload for volunteers, but also it, it, you are well and truly aware of how lucky we are. Now, uh, coming up with the the details on the uh, the final semi final one, Railways uh, defeated Albany, they're placed into the grand final that way. Royals defeated Denmark Walpole, uh, but it was Royals who got up over the ladder leaders uh, <laughs> in the grand final back in back in May. So, um, yep. uh, or April, sorry, um, which, April, yep. yeah, which was um, was it a bit of an upset, mate, or what? Because we've had Railways right up there all season, and then all of a sudden Royals just put on a better game on the night. No, no, both, both of those teams probably had been the, the dominant sides for the season um, and, and certainly probably the most proactive in, in the competition um, for the last couple of years in, in A, resourcing women's footy, but B, um, getting getting new people in and participants in. So they've probably been the most active. Um, Royals, given the nature of, of women's football at the moment, we're, we're developing a scoring culture so that the games are always open, that if you, if you get a couple of goals, you, you're right back in it. So the game was close, um, but yeah, certainly in that particular game, um, a, a great game to watch. We had a beautiful evening, actually, and, and um, a massive crowd. So it was a fantastic Friday night. Um, and, and Railways, who hosted the, the, uh, the grand final, did a wonderful job. Um, but yeah, unfortunately for railways at their home ground, the, the the lines got over them. Now, how does your off season look for the women at the moment, mate? Because obviously the, this is pretty much off season territory. But uh, have we got the participation and the numbers looking forward to twenty twenty two? Yes, certainly. Uh, this this year we we, um, we opened the, the the nomination process up for for the ladies um, or the women's footy to. To actually see if they can canvas a, a side for the the Nutrient Carnival, which has obviously replaced the Landmark and West Farmers Carnival, mm. um, as we were all well aware, both, both the all three the Colts, the the, the women's women's carnival and the the men's carnival was cancelled along with um, School Country Week, all in that sort of same two week block, which is um, very disappointing for everyone. But um, we we actually had. Um, 
45 people try out for our, our GSFLW uh, representative side to go to Admitrian. So um, we, we, as a directorship, we were sort of looking at it going, oh, well, this will be a very good litmus test to see how much appetite there is out there. And uh, certainly it was, it was uh, an easier feat to try and <laughs> kick participants for the, the ladies' side than it was for the men's. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously there's a bit of a talk at the moment. We've got Brent Sheridan to catch up with a little later on the podcast to talk more about uh, still a potential women's carnival to come later in the year. Uh, would would the GSFL be looking at continuing that opportunity? Um, we're, we're very open to it. And, and like everything, we're, we're a fairly progressive. Um, well, hopefully we are a fairly progressive league. Sometimes we are, sometimes we aren't. Um, but we would be very open to... to to the, the ladies' carnival side going away again, depending upon whether it, it, it A, is, is fuelable, um, and B, I think we're all well and truly aware that the likely possibility of COVID, given what's happened in Perth over over the last day or so with potentials, but um, yeah, at the time that it, it comes up, we would certainly um, yeah, be, be supportive of it and, and making sure that it, it wasn't sort of destructive to other yep. community sports or events that are on at the time. But yeah, as was previously mentioned, we're very open to, to anything. Any, any side in our association wants to do to try and improve football and, and participation rates in the Great Southern. It's great to see, mate, because I think there's some prospective dates of the 30th of September and the 1st of October later this year for, for women and also for Colts to be part of. So that's that's outstanding as well. Mate, um, just in, in wrapping up our chat, how else uh, is what else is going on with the Great Southern Footy League at the moment, mate? I know your directorship is under women and it sounds like things are going very strong and very well for, for the Great Southern Footy League. But as a whole, mate, uh, the, the whole competition seems to be doing rather well at the moment. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah, like everything, it's 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 a changing dynamic within our society and community at the moment with with um, participation and stuff like we, we've seen, a, I guess, a changing of the guard of late with with North Albany after winning uh, nine premierships in in fifteen or fourteen years. Um, they've taken a, a bit of a, a re redeveloping phase and a, and are trying to to rebuild um, after after a long period of success. Um, Royals are the, the dominant side at the moment under coach Andrew Ruck. Um, they, they have got a, a very, very deep side and they, they seem to be and it's showing in the reserves as well. Their reserve side is probably uh, could possibly play as their seventh league side. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, very strong. The, the, the sort of the, the, the pace of the competition is very fast. Um, we're not sort of an in and under competition. We're, we're very much an outside run. Um, and the scores for an outside run competition are, are relatively low. So most games, we, we do have sides that are at three-quarter time still in with a shot, um, which is very pleasing. Also, our, our, our Mount Barker and Denmark sides have, have showed, but uh, Denmark made the grand final last year, so they've... They've got some things going very well out there and other things that are, are developing and, and hopefully we can see both of those sides are, are maintain their, their standing in our competition but also keep, keep, uh, keep pushing, uh, I guess, our town teams to, to go a little bit further. Yep. And, and I guess on the last night, I, I, it's been a bit of a, a situation we've had here for a number of years where we've, we've had the Albany Sharks and trying to establish them. We've had several... Regimes go through there, trying to, to make it a success with 
um, unfortunately for them in previous years, limited success. Uh, this year they've won a number of games, um, which is which is a great thing. I think after winning two games in in ten years, they've they've nine doubled that this year alone. So um, it's it's been a good year for them, and they're they're reaping some rewards for for um, some very good off field management. Yep, definitely. Still an open case to fit into your finals as well for Mount Barker, which is which is great to see. There's a, still an opportunity, albeit a bit rather slight one to, to creep in there. But it, it's Royals at the top there. They've just uh, dropped the one game all season. Railways doing pretty strong as you mentioned as well. So uh, great depth there at the moment for the Great Southern Football League. Hey Andrew, it's great to catch up with you, mate, and hear a bit more about how women are going. I know it's a um, it's one that a lot of leagues are looking at and that's the format that the uh, Great Southern Football League do conduct your women's competition with in, in trying to ensure that, that members can be part of women's footy across regional areas but also be part of other sports as well because even though we are a WA Country Footy League podcast we do realise that there's other sports and other benefits and other fabrics that our societies have in our regional areas which helps grow them and, and strengthen them as well and I think you're leading the way down there in the, the Great Southern in that aspect in, in allowing more community participation and growing your numbers in a, in a very... Uh, uh, dare I say, unselfish way. Uh, I mean, you could go out there and have it all throughout the whole season and then taking things away, but uh, the way that you've adopted the, the processes down there in the Great Southern is a credit to you and to Joe Burton and all the team down there as well under the tutelage. Mate, thanks very much. I know we're in between free classes for you as a school teacher, um, but appreciate your time with us here on the podcast, mate, and uh, continue the great work with Women's Footy in the Great Southern Footy League. Yeah, thank you for that. And I'd just like to, to chuck in as well. I mean, as, as a director, we seem to be, yeah, in this particular case, you're paying paying respect to us as the directorship, but I really I think we need to shift a lot of our, our thanks to the actual the female footballing community who have been the, the, the real drivers of this, and when we've been along for the ride. So yeah, credit to the the football community and particularly the female football community for um, making this particular particular competition get up and going and, and fly well. Good on you, Andrew. Enjoy the weekend, mate. Not long way for finals for your males. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thank you very much for your time. This is the WA Country Footy Podcast. Well, we're starting to hit grand finals and already reaching that point in the Northern Leagues in our state. And we head to the Newman National Football League. And Michael Kendrick, or Mick, is the president. He's got all the details for us on the Saints and Central's grand final that's coming up this weekend, but also the season that has been. Mick, good to have a chat to you on our podcast. No worries. Thanks for having us. Now, Mick, just tell us a little bit about how the season has gone for for the NF, NNFL for 2021. Um, Saints, the team to beat throughout the year, 13-1 for their season. Yeah, 13-1. Um, they lost early first round to Tigers, and we were meant to have 15 games. Unfortunately, our lights played up one night, so we lost out there. But Saints have been the dominant team then for a few weeks there, or they were knocking teams off by 100 points plus every single week. But um, last couple of weeks, I guess, they've sort of come back to the field. So, yeah, if it's anyone games, I guess, and we, as we know in football, reset and play a grand final, it's a whole new game. Forget about the other 15 or 16 games we've played in the year. Yeah, definitely. Well, Saints uh, finishing up there on the top from uh, Tigers, also Central's Pioneers down there at the bottom. But the, the latter's a very interesting one. 13-1 and one for Saints. Pioneers 1-13, and 13, and both Tigers and Central's 9-5, and five, but the split changes for both of those. So I suppose that 2-3 and three position has been pretty even throughout the year between both Tigers and also Central's. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, Pioneers, they're a bit of a... Um, I know the ladder and scores probably haven't reflected, but they got in a little bit of trouble at the start of the year with some um, issues with coaching and, and stuff like that. But um, Joel 
Pakenham stepped in, took over. Um, if you actually went down and watched some of the games and seen the score, you'd go, I, I wouldn't believe it would be. If you didn't know the score, you wouldn't. You'd go, I didn't think it would be that far apart. So the games actually didn't reflect the scores. They never gave up. They were always positive right through the game of their 14th game of the year. I went over to the change rooms a couple of times, listened to the speeches. You know, they're all positive about just sticking together as a club. They've got a lot of young kids. We've got six or seven kids in there, um, 18 and under. So they're all positive. They help out around the club and a few senior players that said, you know, they've just got to stick together as a team and um, gel for next season. So... What is it that's kept the Saints pretty competitive up the top end? They've won a fair swag of premierships in recent seasons. Well, we're all asking the same questions because <laughs> we don't know how they recruit these players. But they managed to recruit um, a guy this year, Jai Shields, that come to town to build the hospital. And I guess you got to be just in the right places at the right time. And Jai was at the um, Purple Pub one night and he bumped into two the assistant coach and another bloke from Saints and they're having a chat and they said, oh, I'll come down and have a run. He's actually a one-eyed Richmond supporter and, and when he come here, he's seen the Tigers footy club again and he goes, I'm going to go play for them and ended up going and doing one training with uh, Saints and stayed there and got was loyal because he actually ended up meeting a, a young girl that was a, was a who played women's footy in Perth but was training at Tigers and um, she said, no, nah, if you're going to be with me, you've got to play for Tigers. And he goes, no, I've been at training for one one training. I'm loyal. I stay at the club. So he stayed there and then, yeah, he's a bit of a gun. And it's just, they've kept a lot, probably 10 players over their last five years that have just been at the club, been a nucleus. They've done it. They have done it well with the six premierships. They won before COVID. And this is obviously, we're all staring them up saying it's not seven in a row because... Obviously, there's a gap year there, yep. so it's not seven. We're saying this will be number one, and they're arguing the point. But, that, but yeah, they've just had a core core nucleus of players they've been able to keep at the club. And one of the things they've done, I guess, building into them six they won in a row is a, a bloke that used to be or still plays with them. Morgan Tucker had a lot to do with junior footy, and he just drew all the young kids from junior under 17s over to Saints to train, and that's where they why they've got these probably six or seven under 23s that are there now that have just followed Morgan over through junior football. Mm. And that is the key to many clubs, you know, having those juniors come through. We'll get to your juniors in a few minutes, but uh, fun fun fact about uh, the NNFL. Uh, You'd have to be one of the only leagues in Australia where all of your club rooms are based at the one ground. Yeah, it's pretty unique. Um, We even had the sports minister, what's his name, from Collie that come up and he was... Mick Murray. Yeah, and he said, like, Collie apparently has two footy ovals, but he's never seen four around. And a lot of people have come here, and we've had some people that have come from Eastern States, even Jai, we asked him at the McClellan Medal the other night about the setup of footy, and he said, yeah, he's never seen nothing like it either with basically a club in each pocket. So, Mate, uh, just tell us a little bit about the McClellan Medal a couple of weeks ago. How did the night go? Yeah, it was last Saturday night. It was a good night hosted by Pioneers. I think we had um, 87 people at it. Um, good. We had a first year we've had our sponsors, a few of our sponsors there, which is good. Um, we're well supported here with the league with sponsors and that. But, um, yeah, when I right, Jai was a runaway winner on 26 votes. The next closest to him was 10, which was the McKellen medalist from two years ago. Um, Dylan Jones from Saints. 
Um, our under-21s, we had a tie in that with Connor Russell and from Centrals and Graham Murphy from Saints. And Jack Woodruff took out the leading goal kicker with 41 from Tigers. And then we also have a Bill Knox, um, who was obviously the founder of the New National Football League back in 72. Mm-hmm. Volunteer of the Year Award, and that was taken out by Chris Hamilton, or better known as Underbelly, who's a, well, he's a coach, he's a player, he's a vice president, he's a clubman over at Tigers, just does a lot of work. He coached in the Newman National Footy League this year um, against Tom Price and won. And he was going to coach our Pilbara team if we went down to Perth, mm-hmm. the country champs. And we handed out one also in recognition of Charlie Salmon, who passed away 20 years ago on our oval umpiring. Um, we now hand out an umpire of the year award and that went to Dennis Cooley but yeah overall it was a good night I know I've, I left the club around 12.30 but a few of them kicked on to around 3.30 4 o'clock and had a good night so. <laughs> that would be a good night a big night yeah. too gee whiz uh, putting it on yeah. up there in Newman hey um, yeah. let's talk a bit more about your juniors because on Sunday is the, uh, the end of the the junior season but how good are the under 14s so they get the opportunity before your senior grand final to get on the field at 5 yeah no it's good lot um, and um, I'm not directly involved with the junior well the Newman National as a Newman National Football League. I attend their meetings and support them, but obviously that's our feeders into our into our league. So as much as I can do, and I do all the line marking for them, mark all their ovals for them for out, throughout the season to help them out. And um, I think they had a hundred and I think it's around hundred and forty kids registered this year, and that that's not including I think the seventy around seventy kids for Auskick as well. So they got back up around that two hundred number. I'm um, really strong in your under. Um, 11 age group through there. The 14s is pretty good as well, but it's just like human, like any town like this mining town, I guess it's who, what kids rock up on the night. But they're well supported by a good, strong committee with Lee Parnell and the um, other ones that help out. So, yeah, they're going to, they approached us about playing a game before the seniors on Saturday night. And we said, yeah, go for it. Look, good for them. And then hopefully they can hang around, obviously. And, um, and, you know, they were really good. We took it. It's the first time we've taken junior football to Tom Price this year. And we took, it was more like probably an under 13, 12 team over Tom Price. And they got a win over there as well by a couple or a goal or so. so yep. 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 Good to play that rep footy. So. Yeah. Mate, and for the population that you've got, those numbers getting involved in footy is pretty enormous. That's almost, you know, dare I say it, probably 10% of your population. Yeah, it is. It's good. Um, junior footy struggled over the last few years. Like we've got no under seventeen comp now, so obviously kids can play at fifteen if parents let them in our league. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's good numbers. I mean, all all sport in Newman has suffered over the last five or six years, but we've, I, I always call it this um, electronic world we live in now. So. Hmm. Mate, to the big game coming up for us this weekend, Saints and Centrals. Uh, look, on form and on the way that things have gone, you'd have to put Saints in for a uh, a bit of an opportunity to take out the tilt again this year. But uh, as we saw the other day with the game between uh, Centrals and Tigers, anything can happen. Well, that's dead right. And I always reflect back to the first grand final I seen in Newman in 2005. It was um, Saints were undefeated. Um, and Tigers went out there and gave them a bit of a bath in the uh, grand final. So you never count the chickens or the eggs before they hatch. So 
yeah, it's uh, who turns up on the night. I know Centrals might have a couple of players to come back in that haven't played the last couple of weeks due to injury and hand injuries and that, whether they bring him in or they just stick with the same team they went out there on Friday night with. But um, they lost one of their young Indigenous boys had to head up to Kununurra to his grandmother's funeral, who didn't play last week. And we're not sure if he's back. Bit of a scare going around Newman this morning when the news came out around Qantas cancelling um, regional flights because uh, Centrals have got um, two players that are due to fly back due to being in, down in Perth on trade school. So, ah, yes. But apparently it's all or three players, sorry, coming back. But uh, all sorted, apparently. They've been able to book a ticket and got confirmation of a ticket. So. Good to hear. Good to hear some news, being able to get that up and about, mate. But, uh, yeah, you're in for a big one. Uh, what do you normally get for a grand final day? With a population of about 4,500 and all the four footy clubs at the one ground, surely you must get a decent turn-up. We, well, I reckon we'll, we should get, because it's netball grand finals on Friday night as well. Yep. So the girls might party and then come on down to footy on Saturday night. But, well, well, that could still go um, on two days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. Um, oh, I reckon we could easily get your six to eight hundred people down there. That's amazing. It is yeah. some, some so really, really good. Tig- Tigers, Tigers will be the club that will pack out. Like they get an amazing crowd every single week. Yep. So they, they, I reckon every single week they'd have anywhere between eighty to a hundred people at their footy club watching football. Unreal. Unreal. So, Great support. And that's what we like yeah. in the WA Country Footy League. Uh, you've also got NADOC round. Are you anticipating in that this week? No, we we played ours a few uh, couple of weeks ago after last first round after school holidays. We oh, yep. were lucky enough to get the NADOC balls here for that. And they were fantastic, so they were handed out. But yeah, we um, had that in our last round. We've got another one. We up here. We support the Newman Women's Shelter, the White Women. You know, against um, domestic violence. So that was a good round. But yeah, and we run our local radio show up here every Saturday morning, which I'm the host of that, and we're got the grand final radio show at 10 o'clock on um, Saturday and hopefully next year we can get uh, the web streaming going for it. We had it working but it's broken so the radio station looking at it, getting that back up for all the ex-Newmanites that live out of Newman now that can listen on the web to our to our radio show we do. So the Ratings must go up huge on a grand final day. Well, I hope so. I, I mean, always, I always throw a bit of banter out there and say, oh, I'll throw this out and we'll know who's listening. And <laughs> the banter you throw out, the people come back on the text message to you with some comments. So yeah, very people good. do listen to it. Yeah. yeah, They do, just like this podcast as well that you're on, Mick. Hey, appreciate yeah. you catching up with us, mate, as a president no of worries. the Newman National Football League. Always good to hear about what's happening in the north of our state. And you're only a small, one of our smaller leagues in the WA Country Footy League spectrum, but there's been a, a great amount of interest in it regardless around our state as well. And we appreciate you jumping on board with our WA Country Footy podcast this week, mate. And good luck with the grand finals this week, Saints and Centrals. No worries. Thanks for talking to us. See ya. It is the WA Country Footy League podcast for week four and we head to Bridgetown. It's a cool part of the world and Ray Masters joins us as the coach of the Bridgetown Footy Club. But uh, Ray, I know you're just a little far away from Bridgetown at the moment, but how's your winter been down that way, mate? Oh, yeah, it's been extremely cold. I'm a, 
local management boy who travels to Bridgetown, but it's been one of the coldest winters I can remember for a long time. No, mate, well, it's been one of the hottest seasons for Bridgetown, but that's continued your form. Season 2021's been going pretty well, mate. What's been the essence that's continued on that form, especially with that break of season for 2020? Yeah, um, after a really successful 2019 season where we only lost one game for the year, we... um. Had a, had a good side ready to go um, in 2020, but uh, was cancelled, obviously. But we've managed to keep most of them boys together. So we've got a lot of local guys and a couple of travellers who top us up. And we've managed to keep the spirit going. Mate, the Lower Southwest Footy League is one that uh, it f- features a lot of history around the lower parts of the state and, you know, obviously a lot of cooler parts as well. But, um, mate, what is it about the Lower Southwest Footy League that, that you love the most? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's always been tough footy down here. There's a lot of very talented footballers, but a lot of the people here grow up playing football and playing football for their clubs. And um, a lot of people don't go anywhere, so they pretty much fall in love with their clubs and, and play for their clubs. So it's very... Uh, uh, can be very tribal at times. Yeah, definitely, mate. When you look at some of the, the teams that you've got involved in in the season as well, Imperials, Boy Up Brook, Cogent Up, Dean Mill, Southerners, they're all alongside, obviously, uh, Tigers as well as, as Bridgetown. It's a it's a very good part of the state. It's produced some very, very good footballers. But let's talk about the Bridgetown Footy Club. And you've had some pretty big wins in 2021, but there was a, a couple of ding-dongs. One was against uh, Boy Up Brook, which you won by one point, And then the next match was unfortunately one where you lost by one point that's been your only loss for the season against Tigers yeah absolutely mate we um we we did have a few quite big wins early in the year which is pretty similar to the trend in 2019 but as we knew teams were going to catch up to us if you like and uh boy it was an interesting one because we both it was the COVID round so we neither team had any travellers and we managed to get a one point win there Um, but when we had a few of our guys back the week after Tigers played a really good brand of footy and were too good for us on the day Mate, you've had a couple of good pivots up forward for you um, for, throughout the season. Jordan Jupp's kicked the 64 goals. You've got David Johnson on 35, Brett Wilson on 54, and Kyle Wilson on 14 and, and throwing uh, Will Masters down the bottom there with uh, 15 as well. So your goal spreaders have been spread nicely through your forward line. Uh, yes, it has. Jordan Jupp's been a, a strong goal kicker for the club for several years now. Um, he's our full forward and Brett Wilson also plays on ball and up forward, and he's had a fantastic season. He's a really talented footballer and a local boy. And, yeah, he's kicked a lot. And Dave Johnson's also um, been recruited to the club and had a great season as well. Jordan Engels had a good season too for you, mate. Yeah, Jordan Engels, another local boy who, who just loves the footy club. Um, yeah, really talented sportsman. And he plays off half-back and gives us a lot of run from there. Was it a surprise when Callum Jupp managed to score his goal a few few weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't doesn't get many, and his brother gets a lot. So he's um, certainly made sure we all know when he does manage to sneak <laughs> one. Yeah, hey, Very good, mate. There's been a bit going on around the Bridgetown Footy Club as well of late. You've teamed up with the Super Kids Superheroes. What a great day that was for your players and also for the kids in the community. Yeah, it absolutely was, Glenn. Um, one one of our ex-players, um, 
Simon Kane um, had an unfortunate tragedy a few years ago, losing his young son, and we've been on board with the cause since. And the cause is only building, and we had a big day for him. We all dressed up in our superhero costumes, and I think the club raised something like eight or nine thousand dollars for the course. So it was a great day. Did you go in your council outfit, mate? Being a council worker, uh, you're a bit of a yeah. superhero in the community. <laughs> yeah, no, I was. My young bloke bought me a Superman outfit, so along with a lot of others, I was Superman for the night. Um, but the next day, I certainly didn't feel like Superman. <laughs> no. <laughs> mate, how'd you go with the trivia night recently as well? Uh, yeah, that was another good night for the club. I've got to be honest that I didn't actually... We had training that night, so we finished late, and I didn't actually go to the night, but by all reports, it was a successful night. Mate, you've got the bye this week. What's the attack before the finals? Uh, yeah, it's always a difficult situation because we've got the bye this week, then we play, then we'll have another bye for the first semi before we play the second semi. So it's hard to know, you know, you want your players freshened up, but you don't want them uh, not playing footy over over periods of time. So we're going to train this weekend and we'll probably train first semi weekend as well and try to keep the legs fresh. Ray, I probably already know the answer to this question, but is it great being back on the footy grounds? Oh, absolutely, Glenn, yeah. As everyone that knows me, I live for my footy. Um, I love the Bridgetown Footy Club. They've been fantastic to me. And I think the whole Lower South West is, a lot of the community relies on their footy club. So it's fantastic to have it back. Uh, good to hear you, Ray. Thanks very much for joining us on our West Australian Country Footy Podcast, mate. Good to see some, some good positive things happening around the community, not just when it comes to footy, but, you know, when you talk about the Super Kids Superheroes Day, what a great day that was to, to see not-for-profit organisations that sporting clubs are helping to support uh, other community groups and charities in our community. It's always great. Appreciate your time with us on the podcast, mate, and good luck as you're heading towards the season finals for the Lower Southwest Footy League. Yes, thanks a lot, Glenn, and thanks a lot for speaking to me. Thank you. The WA Country Footy Podcast. It's our last guest for this episode. It's been another big one, hasn't it? We've been all over the state, but we're now here to talk about some of our state competitions and the Nutria Ag Country Football Championships. Coming back with a bit of an October edition or a bit of a feel towards October. To tell us more details, Manager of Country Football Development South is Brent Sheridan from the West Australian Football Commission. Brent joins us on the episode today. Hello, Brent. How are you, mate? I'm well, thanks, Glenny. Thanks for having me back on, mate. Yeah, oh, look, I tell you what, Kane Benson might be uh, rubbing me up the wrong way, mate, getting you on before him again, but that's okay. We're, what we're here to do is to talk more about this Nutrient Ag Country Football Championship. Now, COVID, the dirty beast that it has been, unfortunately, put the stopper on us uh, about a month ago. So there's a bit of a concept for women and cults that's been released. Can you tell us a bit more about what's going to happen over Thursday, the 30th of September, and Friday, the 1st of October at this stage? Yeah, well, obviously, Glennie, we're quite disappointed to have to um, pull the plug on this year's championship. Uh, you know, amidst of the, amidst, I should say, the lockdown that we had, um, you know, through that early July period, um, which means two years without country championships. And where, you know, the key, the keenness that our leagues have showed to, to get back involved with country footy, uh, country championships, I should say, ahead of this year was was outstanding. We had the most nominations that we've had for a long period of time so we'll um yeah incredibly disappointed that we had to pull the pin but we uh we canvassed our leagues um around potential engagement in an october championships and overwhelmingly that we got a, uh, a credible support for the colts cbh group colts um and the women's um segments of the game so 
Uh, we're planning to deliver a six-team um, women's competition, sorry, a five-team women's competition and a six-team Colts competition during the, the middle week of the July school holidays, um, which will flow in quite well to the Waffle Grand Final weekend, which um, they've tentatively got booked at the moment for the 2nd and 3rd of October. That's great, mate, because some of the uh, women's and Colts teams that I see have nominated so far included uh, Southwest, Pilbara, Peel and Great Southern, and likewise with the Colts with the addition of regional districts and Avon. So trying to use those associations and those uh, who are closer to Perth, I suppose, does help a little bit, but it also helps spread the, the cheer, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see Pilbara into that mix as well. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, in the in the Colts age group, mate, there are kids who um, are incredibly excited to play representative football and not having that on the agenda last year. Um, you know, we we're overwhelmed with the support ahead of this year. And to have six of the original seven teams uh, put their hand up to come back in October is fantastic. And it gives those um, 18, 19-year-old kids that are still living in regional WA a chance to showcase their wares. And obviously, the Women's Championship, we held our inaugural um inaugural championships in 2019 so you know it's quite new um, and there's obviously a lot of interest as the female football continues to grow so rapidly around regional WA and to have um, five teams with the addition to the four you mentioned before we have the Goldfields who are confirmed so um, yeah we're we're out we're very excited to be able to put um, put the championships back on the agenda in the back end of this year Uh, we're looking at Thursday the 30th and, and Friday the 1st of October um, still working through a few logistics around waffle availability, uh, waffle ground, that I should say, availability and the like. And we look to hopefully finalise that in the next couple of weeks to give some, um, yeah, give some final um, commitment to to everything in that space. Um, and like I said, uh, with the waffle grand final on that weekend, there's also the national um, AFL Masters Carnival, which is slated for the week of the 27th of September to the 2nd of October. So it'll be a, a representative football flavour um, and finals flavour in the metropolitan area that first week of October and none so more than the, the country Colts and, and women's champs that will be held. Yeah, definitely, mate. A big week, a big week in Perth and a great opportunity for many people to head down there. Now, um, you, you've spoken about the Colts, you've spoken about the women, you've spoken about the Masters, but where's the men's competition going to go, mate? Because obviously a lot of lads and a lot of people, it comes to the end of the season, you know, many people and many volunteers are involved in that sort of sphere as well as obviously the, the Colts and the women. Um, they could be pretty spent and burnt out at that time of the year, Brent. So is there a format or is there something that's happening with the men? Yeah, really good question, Glennie. And um, yeah, you, you touched on a couple of the real challenges in getting men's teams to Perth during October, but also given the demographics and the, the geographic nature and industry within our state, a lot of our uh, particularly rural competitions are, are really gearing up towards harvest yeah. in that early October period. So understandably, um, you know, there wasn't the capability to deliver a men's competition um, during October. However, we do have a couple of irons in the fire around some quite unique and experimental competition in early 2022 um, around a you know, fast footy format um, pre-season competition, you know, potentially played in regional WA. So we've got a few uh, considerations there that we'll work on um, during the early part of the off-season and hopefully land on something quite exciting um, you know, in early 2022 to kick the season off. 
Awesome, mate. That's great to hear. Yes, you've touched on one very big point in there, harvest. Um, the, the amount of rain that's been in southern parts of Western Australia this season has been enormous, and some of those crops are already taller than you and I, and we're not exactly the uh, the world's smallest. So um, we're close, but uh, we aren't the world's smallest, mate. But uh, it's it's great to see that there's obviously some, some leeway there from the West Australian Football Commission for, for that, and obviously some prospects in the future, which is outstanding. Mate, many of the leagues that are part of your particular patch, which is the South, are starting to to come to a bit of an end. Is there any competitions that have caught your eye? Question without notice. Uh, any competitions that have caught your eye as we head to the finals race? I definitely think the Southwest Footy Leagues are very, um, definitely not a lay down bazaar as it has been in, in some previous years. There's many teams that are currently uh, in the mix for finals. Augusta Margaret River, I think, are in the mix for, for the minor premiership, which they haven't secured in a very long time, I believe. Um, there's yeah the, the top any of the top five um, I think are a chance to, to win the flag down there, which uh, which will, is fantastic, um, particularly given there's usually one or two clubs that might be standouts compared to the others. Um, obviously the Great Southern Footy League, uh, all eyes on the Albany Football Club haven't played finals football before. Um, I'm not sure if you've spoken about it on this podcast, but they've made some considerable inroads this year with the likes of Brett Peak and now Morgan Davies. Um, who's come fresh from East Fremantle, uh, joining the club in the back half of the year. So they're obviously gearing up for what might be hopefully their first finals campaign, which would be a, a massive boost for the club. Yeah, definitely. No, we, we touched on uh, with Andrew McWhirter and some of the women uh, and the women's competition and the way that it's a little bit different there. But it's also pre- pleasing to see Brent as well. And we spoke about, you know, those competitions, Great Southern, Peel, Pilbara, Southwest and Goldfields. Four out of those five are, are part of your particular patch. But the growing state of women's footy as well. And, and some of the ways in which different leagues, like the Great Southern earlier on the podcast, have let us know that they construct their carnivals. Oh, sorry, their seasons rather than the carnivals. Yeah, well, we're definitely getting to a point in time, I think, Glennie, and not just in footy, but in, in a lot of community sport where we have to be flexible. Um, and I suppose ask the, the, the participants what they're really after. And obviously, Great Southern Footy League have done that. They have a number of athletes that are, or players, I should say, that are, um, you know, football might not necessarily be their, their number one winter sport, but the timing that they have allows them to have such great buying from, um, you know, the local female community. And, you know, that's showing how they, they've grown to a 16 competition and, you know, are starting to look into into youth age formats and the like. Yeah, uh, Esperance women had a, a loss the other night uh, against their opponents. That was uh, on Thursday. They were previously going very well, but you're heading on down to the Esperance uh, Football League, uh, the Esperance District Football Association, I should say, to uh, partake in the Hepburn Medal this weekend, mate. It's a great little competition down there. We heard from Sean last week a bit more about what's happening around the place, but appreciate you jumping on board before you jump on a kite to head on down to Esperance, mate. Always great to hear from you. Great, exciting news about the Women's and the Colts Championships over two days over Thursday the 30th of September and Friday the 1st of October coming up a little later on this year in, in replacement of the, uh, the the middle of the year version of the Nutrient Ag Country Football Championships but Brent always good to hear from you mate lots going on in country footy and uh, we appreciate your time with us on the podcast today bud Pleasure, Glenny. Glenny, anytime. This is the WA Country Footy Podcast. That wraps up the WA Country Footy Podcast for this week. Thanks to all of our guests who have been part of the show. Andrew McWhirter, who joined us from the Great Southern Football League. He was our first guest on the show, having a bit of a chat to him. We headed up to talk to Mick up there at the Newman National Football League, ahead of their finals this weekend, the grand final. And uh, also joining us, Ray Masters from the Bridgetown Football Club, from the Bulldogs, having a yarn to us today, plus Brent Sheridan from the WA... uh, Football Commission. Right, 
So that's today's episode all done and dusted for you. Don't forget you can subscribe and we are available for you to download any time of the day, night, because we are 24-7 on this podcast. Well, we don't work 24-7. It's available for you 24-7. We're now in Apple. We're now on Spotify. Look, wherever you get your podcasts, that's where we are. And you can subscribe to ensure that you get this podcast first. Thanks again to all of the support from the WA Country Footy League. And enjoy your finals this week if you're partaking. If you're getting towards the end of the season, all the very best of luck and good luck to those heading to the Hepburn Medal in Esperance. The WA Country Footy Podcast is produced by Industry Link Media. 